Let's be honest. How many times have you chalked up a relationship ending to bad timing? For hosts Nancy and PJ Heslin, the answer is a lot. It took living separately in Canada, the U.S., and France, two divorces, and 20 years for timing to work out. And when it finally did in the south of France, the couple discovered they had two different versions of their love story. We all do, right? But what if your side is not the whole story, and you have the journals to prove it? Keep listening to Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together, a podcast on love, relationships, and two lives in between. This episode is brought to you by the Pan Lagos Foundation. Pan Lagos is based in New York City, and they are a nonprofit cultural organization founded on the ideals of Hellenism, dedicated to the betterment of humanity by supporting intercultural dialogue and exchange through the Hellenic language, education, and ideals, providing opportunities for the pursuit of excellence to individuals of all ages and backgrounds, bringing the wisdom of the past in dialogue with the present. We aim to inspire a happier, healthier humanity for today and the future. Welcome to the second episode of Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together. I'm Nancy Heslin. And I'm PJ Heslin. I know you're dying to know what happened after our last episode. We left you hanging in with a, on a thread. Is that the expression? Hanging no. on a thread? Something on a thread. No. About after our first kiss. But it made me realize, what, who was your first kiss with ever? My first kiss, what, does it count if you were... Five years old. Oh, does it count if you're five years old? No, I mean like your first kind of real kiss. My first kiss, I don't think we should say names because then. How old were you? I was, it was in grade nine. So I would have been 15 and it was right after school. I was dating this girl who was in my class and I was just about to get on the bus to go home and we kissed and she shoved her tongue into my mouth, which had never <laughs> happened to me. And I had no idea what was going on. I found it very odd. And I s- stopped for a little bit because I didn't know what was going on. And then I realized that, oh, this was supposed to happen. So, yes, it was a very awkward me just spending whatever time we had with that kiss, just thinking, what's happening to my mouth? Why is this <laughs> other person's tongue in here. And then eventually thinking, oh, that's nice. That feels good. I get it. All right. Okay. Uh, my first kiss would have been grade five, but it wasn't what? that crazy. It was, I think we were playing Spin the Shoe on the Big Hill by our pri- primary school. You guys couldn't afford a bottle? No, we couldn't afford a bottle. Oh. And I wasn't really into that kind of stuff because I had always had, as I said last episode, I kind of grew up with boys, had a cottage, and we were always just joking around. And this idea of being coupled off seemed very strange. And uh, anyway, we played this game and, and the shoe stopped and the guy kissed me. I feel like we're being very Prince Harry talking about these things, but not naming names. The guy kissed me and it seemed weird. I, like I didn't really enjoy it because I felt strange and... Anyways, and then we had to hold hands and we went to, everybody walked off to Baskin Robbins holding hands as couples after that. And that was my first kiss. So I remember the circumstances more than I actually remember any feeling about it. But the situation you just described, when that happened to me, yeah, I was really freaked out going, why is this person putting this in my mouth? (laughs) What's happening here? But yeah. Anyway, after our first kiss, we did have an extreme amount of chemistry, which we've pretty much had for 20 years, I'd say. I believe that that type of chemistry is not something that you force in your mind to exist. 
when I kissed PJ that first time, I felt like I was home. I've always felt like that. There was something inside me that's meant to be with something inside him. But when you're 21 years old, it comes out like, uh, what? what's happening? And you become a little bit of a game player trying to figure out and solicit out of somebody what he's really thinking. At, looking back, I probably should have just gone, hey, what do you think about this? But instead, we ended up the next day after getting extremely drunk and having a kiss and a sleepover, we ended up taking this, having to take a bus tour with all the other students. And as I got on the bus last, because I was talking to everybody, there was only one seat left on that bus. And I remember it was next to PJ and everything inside of me was like, oh God, I do not want to sit next to him. I don't think he likes me. And so I sat down to him. I, I kind of felt like he recoiled into like the window. He just didn't want anything to do with me. But once again, two sides to every story because Nancy thought that I was being withdrawn, that I didn't like her. We've spoken about this. She was like, oh, I didn't think you were into me at all and that you were embarrassed. But on my part, A, number one, I was very hungover, very hungover. So you're not exactly communicative when you're in that state. And once again, if we were in the city, we could have just been gone to our own apartments, slept the hangover off, and then go on a date when we we're all fresh and mm. clean and not hungover. Uh, and gotten in touch with each other and spoken a little bit. But yes, we had no choice. It was the next morning hungover. And also, I was thinking, okay, well, she told me she has a boyfriend. So what the hell's going on? Like, is this just, was she just having fun? Was this a big mistake for her? Should I, I'll just give her her room and she can figure it out. And the other thing was, because you left before... I had sort of woken up, even though we were sleeping on the world's smallest cot <laughs> in that little residence. I mean, we didn't really sleep. You just sort of fell exhausted mm. uh, yeah. for a while. But yeah, you had, when I woke up, you were gone. So my immediate reaction was, okay, well, she's got a boyfriend. She's embarrassed. And also I'm hungover. Ugh, I don't want to deal with any of this. And then as it turned out, we did our language placement tests and we were placed in the same small town the town only had 1600 a population of 1600 it was tiny it was a great little saint pascal it was yeah, a fantastic had like um, a waterfall one one traffic light yeah. type town but the remarkable part about it is that this was now 32 years ago this is the summer of 1990 and i'm still friends with some of the people that were in saint pascal with us which again, you know, in the days before phones and all the technology and stuff, you really, when you had a shared interest like that, you really connected with people, I think differently, because you had to make an effort even to stay in touch after those yeah. things. But the trip was amazing. And the six weeks we were in school in the morning, in the afternoon, we either had to work at a shop or do some kind of yeah, volunteer, sort of volunteer work. work and, and then the evenings, again, you were supposed to be speaking French, but a group of us often just went out. There was two bars well, in we town? Usually the, right after dinner, we usually did something all as a group, as a school Oh, yeah. Group. Sometimes they had like It was like volleyball nights, or something yeah. like that. But then after that, we went out. They had two. Do you remember they had two bars? One was named Patrimont. And then the other bar was at the rail, railroad station. Uh, they had pool tables. Yeah, but the Patrimon bar was like the quote unquote hip bar in the little town. Yeah. The, the other bar that was by the railroad station, remember we, would, we went drinking there one night and that was like the hardcore 
They just got older their guys. checks from uh, the government for. But it was it was an older yeah it was also an older crowd that drank at yeah. that other bar like it was. But it was fun. I mean, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't threatening or anything. It was just a no, lot of fun no, no, and no. that the the whole six weeks just it was like, it was a dream and I think maybe part of it is age because I was at university. It was long before sort of tuition ever became something that threatened the rest of your <laughs> your future to pay it off. You know, university was a, a real pleasure to be a part of and it was a privilege and. So those were your biggest stresses, exams. Yeah, and we were all sort of the same age. We all had the same interest, which was we wanted to learn another language. Everybody who went to that small town did so for a reason, which was to learn French. And so our relationship kind of unfolded really, what's the, organically, I guess you would say yeah, now. Yeah, definitely in a bubble. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, we didn't, we were young enough that we didn't really have to worry about our jobs. That's what uh, I'm saying. There was my, no yeah, stress. My biggest concern was, will I get into grad school or not? PJ was training for the Ironman. Yeah, that so was my priority, I don't know how training that for the was Iron going Man. on because there was so much beverages and yeah. student studying. And, you know, our time was very occupied by what the program was yeah. telling us. And then we had our after-hour fun. And finally, we sort of fell into a rhythm of, working out that we liked each other. It was, it wasn't even a quite, there was a point where it was just so obvious to both of us what was going on. And they had the, the town or the school held a, what do you call it? Like one of those Olympic things where they divided all our French classes into com competitive groups. An Olympic thing. Yeah. That was big, you know, you know, like watermelon eating contests and things like that. And it was, there was also a lot of beverages that afternoon. And the, I remember that that was the first time I told PJ I loved him. And I felt that if I just couldn't contain it anymore, I'd never felt, you know, you look at your body and you think, how can a body like actually hold in all those kinds of emotions? Everything's bursting out of you. But it wasn't the greatest timing maybe because we had been drinking and I kind of fell over walking home and he <laughs> tried to help me up and I pulled him down to, to whisper in his ear that I loved him. And the next morning after school, PJ wanted to talk to me. We went to the, the woods, which are beside the school, and the sun was coming through these trees, and it was very painful because we were really hungover. And that was sort of when he was like, are you sure you meant what you said last night? And I, could, I had no idea what he was talking about. But then I was like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. And that was that, you know, that when you first tell somebody you, you love them, it's a big deal because you want them to say something. And, and I said, thank you. PJ said, thank you. <laughs> but it was a big deal for you, too, because no, you had never told I anyone said, before. I I love you, too, yeah. as well. And then we kissed again. And then the summer just went from that. You know, it was, there were some of the greatest moments of my life. And I've had, I think I've had a very golden life. I've had so many amazing experiences and been privileged to have that. But there are moments of that summer. For example, one of the, the weekends, they took us to a lake and everyone went canoeing, but our core group stayed back and listened to the stones and we drank beer on the beach. And it was, I think now looking back, it was what they would say living in that moment. You know, we just had, we enjoyed each other's company. It was a sunny day in June in Quebec. Great moments. Yeah, it was a great six weeks of, for me, it was, it's the most amount of combined fun and learning that I've ever had. And, was, and that intensity together. Yes, and it was very intense. With all of us, yeah, not just yeah. our relationship, yeah. but also with our friends. Because you're in a small town. There's a small group of you. We all got along, like you said. But uh, then, So it was wonderful. But then it ended, and I had to face the fact that I <laughs> yeah. had a boyfriend. And I have to say this in, in all honesty, that just before the end of the program, I was talking with one of my friends in St. Pascal, and I had this, you know, 
what am I going to do when I go home? Because I do have a boyfriend and I had considered my boyfriend back in Toronto really, really good looking. And I was quite shallow about that. And the entire summer with PJ, I had never really looked at him. Now, this sounds ridiculous, but he was so funny and so unlike any other person I'd ever met in my life that I was just swept away by his personality. And maybe because he was a little bit older, it was my first relationship that was an adult relationship. I was, you know, not somebody I met out of high school because I broke up with his best friend or something like that. You know, it was just a different thing. And I had no idea that PJ was a good looking guy. And when I was talking to my friend saying, what am I going to do? I mean, this is a shallow thing to say, but do I break up with him? Like my boyfriend's good looking. And she said, Nancy, have you really looked at PJ? I mean, PJ is a good looking man. I was I'm like, really? Good looking. And PJ would agree. <laughs> I don't think he falls, uh, he has any lack of confidence in that department. So yeah, I had to go home and PJ was biking home. So that was going to take a bit longer. I was driving home with this facing me that I had to break up with this guy because I was in love with somebody really head over heels. And I broke up with my boyfriend the day I got home. And then things started to change because we were back in the real world. Yes. Cracks <laughs> in the relationship. But that, that happens with everybody. And it's really, it's funny when you watch that Netflix show, Love is Blind, and they talk about how they fall in love in these pods and then they become all intense friends the intensity of the friendships are all there and they talk about the relationships being so intense but then when they come out of those pods and they're living their real lives and i say that not you know you can take what you want from the show but there is an element of that when you start a relationship where you're with people 24 hours a day you know it's not intervals it's not once a week it's not a date every couple days you're with them all the time for me the First crack that uh -huh. I can remember well, was yourself. when I did the Ironman. So I did the Ironman at the end of August. August this was 5th. the Canadian Ironman. It was 1990. Yeah. Was it August 5th? I thought it was early August. I thought it was late August. Anyway. Once again, <laughs> two versions. <laughs> so I did it. And I remember phoning you the night before the Ironman. I was at my cottage with friends. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember phoning you because there was like a pasta dinner before the race. So I go to this and I went out there by myself to do the, the Ironman. So and I again, can, that was like before Ironman yes. for like every week. No, it was, I think there were only 200 in that race. In, so it was in Penticton, BC on the west coast of Canada. And I, I think there were only 200 people in that How race. How many worldwide were there at that point? At that point, there were seven or eight. Okay. That's it. And now okay. there's like... I'm just trying to distract you from why all of a sudden the crack started to show. When you but I remember <laughs> going to, there was a, yeah, he had a pasta carbo loading dinner before the race. So I went out to that. And once again, I was by myself. So I just go to this dinner, you know, I'm eating my pasta ta and talking to this person beside me, this woman who was, I think she was probably about 30, which at that age seemed like, oh, she's so old. She's so <laughs> experienced. And so I had, and she had kids as well. And she was out there by herself as well. So we were just talking about the race, our training, da, 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 da. And it was really cool because I had not spoken to anybody who had actually trained or done an Ironman. So it was great to get that perspective and share that those training experiences. And then I went back and I was excited before the race, da, 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 da. So I phoned Nancy and I distinctly remember Nancy being pissed really? and jealous that I was talking. 
talking to this woman before oh, and you were like oh so what seriously yes you were jealous and i was like that is not in, in my, my head i was just like are you serious? Wait a second. Wait a second. Are Before, you serious? Okay. After the summer we've just had. Well, not only that, but when you be. Even and what are you thinking? I'm going to fool around the night before yeah, this huge race. But I had made you like this huge go away package that you could have on the plane of like food and a photo of me. Like, I can't believe that I did that. Are yes. you sure? Yes. I you mean, were very, you were very jealous Let me of just, this woman. At this point, probably <laughs> explain that I had a bit of an issue also. I don't know if the word is jealousy because I'm not sure. I think I, I don't, not just with the woman, but I had a problem with PJ and sports. Yes, which all stemmed from your. There was a lot of insecurity that you had, as as we've spoken about before. Even during that summer, I would constantly tell you, "I can't. How can you not see how smart you are, how beautiful you are?" I just couldn't believe that you couldn't see those things about yourself. To be honest, PJ always from day one. He's the only boyfriend I ever had, the only person in all these years who, who constantly spoke to me that way, just complimenting me and not in any type of buildup. You know, we could be walking down the street and I'd say something and he would stop and turn to me and go, I can't believe how smart you are. And that, I mean, being, for him to say that I was smart or beautiful, they were both equally difficult for me to, to digest. I, I didn't believe either of those things, but I don't remember being jealous about the woman, but it kind of adds up based on who I, I you know, yes. I would get angry at people looking at him, but <laughs> I did have a problem with sports. And when he came back after the Ironman, and I appreciate so much more now what that effort to get to an Ironman is all about. Because you've done an Ironman now. But it's not even that. just that. Like, I, I have so much more respect for sports. Yes, because you're it. now very, very active, very physically active person. But at the time, after the Ironman, we moved to, at the end of August of 1990, we moved up to Ottawa because I was going into third year university. That's it was finishing university. I was going to third year. Third. We, I went away oh, the next that's year. Right. And PJ was, had graduated. I graduated. So yeah. So I was in that stage of, I had just graduated. I had taken a year off. I'd worked a little bit. I'd traveled a little bit. I think I'd taken two years off. Anyway, I could basically be wherever I wanted to be. So and, I went up to Ottawa to be and, with Nancy. And so he moved, we, we started staying where I was living in a house with four people and they weren't there in the summer. And I remember one morning or afternoon, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes, but we were sleeping on a mattress in the, in the living room and PJ wanted to go for a long bike ride. It was the end of summer in Ottawa. It was perfect conditions. And he's like, he said he was going to go for three or four hours, something like that. And Again, I don't know if the word is jealousy, but I was upset with the fact you that he wanted... There was definitely let me just jealousy. Let me just finish. How the I look was in it. your eye was jealousy. Right because I, I couldn't understand why he would want to, to, to go leave me when, and bike for three or four hours instead of just spending the three or four hours with me. I'm proud to say this is something that took me about 20 years to figure out, but he's always been so healthy and active. I never was. And I didn't understand what all of that was about and how it's just part of your day-to-day life, really. So there was things like that. So obviously this woman I was kind of, that he talked to, I didn't like. I didn't like the fact he would go biking. But we ended up in Ottawa and we had both actually studied journalism at Carleton. PJ was four years older than I was, so he had finished his studies, but we both entered the journalism program in Carleton and both of us, not knowing each other, dropped out for different reasons. So by this point, I was studying English and French. So at the beginning of that school year, there was, I learned about an opportunity to study French 
in France, in the south of France, in Villefranche-sur-Mer, which is just the first town east of Nice. Meanwhile, I was having a great time in Ottawa because I was working, but I still had a bunch of friends from university that I was hanging out with and having a great time, which also was a little bit of an issue at times. But I just wanted to go back to say that the the cracks had started to show and I learned about this French program Uh, and decided right off the bat in September. So now, you know, the summer program ended in Quebec in June. We spent July and August together. We're now living in Ottawa, end of August, September. And right away, I make the decision after seeing a presentation on France that I'm going to go study in France for a year because my scholarships applied. It would have been, uh, been my fourth year university. And it just looked so fantastic. And I was still really into learning French and that homestay experience, which the campus in Villefranche offered. And I don't know why, but I just, in my mind, I was going to go to France for eight months. PJ and I would stay together. He had already traveled Europe, so I figured he'd understand. But he would just stay in Toronto and do it, or Montreal or Ottawa or do whatever he was doing, and we'd still be together. It never crossed my mind. So I I ran home from university, picked up my landline phone and called him to say, hey, I've got fantastic news. I'm going to France. I want to go study a year abroad in France. And I said, oh, so we're broken up. Click. That was really what the phone, I mean, that was us reenacting a phone call from September 1990, pretty much to the exact dialogue. But you also have to think of back in 1990, there was no FaceTime, there was no text, there was no... If we were to have had a relationship for that year, that would have been very expensive phone calls and long letters. And also when you're that age, to be honest, like the thought of not having sex for a year seemed impossible. Well, when he hung up on the phone on me, really, I could not believe it because I it had, as I said, never entered my mind we were breaking up. And I was still holding the phone and I was wearing a gold ID bracelet that he had given me in the summer. And his grandparents had given it to him as, I think, as a graduation gift. And his grandmother had said to him when he mentioned he was giving it to me, you know, what if it doesn't work out? And he's like, that's not going to happen. And I was looking at that bracelet thinking, oh, my God, his grandmother was right. And the next thing I knew, PJ came in into the house where I was living with his bike helmet on, sweating, saying, you know, I think you said you were sorry to hang up. Um, and we had a discussion about what was going to happen. And I was going to go. And he said, go. He really was encouraging. He said, you know, I've, I've been to Europe. You should go to school. And I'll be here when you get back. And we hugged. We didn't break up. But I say together we were still broken. Like something, you know, that moment in a relationship, it can be a big moment. It can be a fight. It can be maybe something even more serious that a person's cheated on you, whatever it is. But there's a moment where the relationship starts over. And that first initial trust is gone. So we kept going, but it was a thing's for the next few months were very complicated. But we'll get into that the next episode. So while I was trying to figure out, you know, after that moment where I was going, decided to go to France, which was the following September, so it's still a full year away, PJ's behavior really changed. And some of that was just, you know, background and family issues, which we'll probably talk about in another episode. But, you know, we kept coming back to each other, but it, it was really hard. And Again, he's going to read one of my journal entries, and I have to say this, that even though I'm an editor-in-chief and have been for 20 years for various publications, fortunately, I did not have to submit these journals as part of my resume because I would never have been chosen for my 
very basic English. So this is uh, December. This is what, in 1990. So yeah, this is just when we did we break up? No, who knows, really, right? I don't know. I have one of the breakups. Just before Christmas. Uh, so yeah, just before Christmas, Nancy writes in 1990, it is amazing how much life changes in seven months. I go out of my way to do things for PJ to make him feel good or special, and what do I get? Nothing. <laughs> Jesus. I know. And how many times? Did, oh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I just want someone to make me feel special, like I am important. PJ is never going to change. He seems to be the same as when I first met him. Oh, what, those whole four months ago in the past? Uh, I would like to feel good inside. I would like to like it if a guy could do that. Just once I'd like to wake up beside PJ and feel special or go over to his place and be given a flower or a card or a little package of peanuts I like or something. PJ is self-centered. Yeah, a little bit now and much more so then. Uh, PJ is self-centered, and I wonder if he has done something special for anyone. Oh, boy. Why do I want to compromise myself and my needs for some guy I've known a whole seven months? Was it that long at that point? Okay. Uh, I don't want to try to make things go back to the way they used to be, as that can never happen. Perhaps the good times we had were meant to end before bitterness becomes our final memory. <laughs> I ended it well. So that is December 1990. If you tune into our next episode, you'll find out how we continue to mess up this relationship uh, as I head off to France. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please spread the word about our podcast. Or if you have a love story of your own with two different versions, get in touch. This podcast is a spinoff of our manuscript, Nancy and PJ Learn French. You can check out nancyandpj.com for more on that. Thanks to Dustin, Isaac, and Alyssa at Life's Tough Media. In our next episode, after a summer full of loving, Nancy decides to study in France, leaving PJ out of sorts. <laughs>